So, any questions tonight? Yes. One of your talks you spoke about uh, science originally being, or being one time agnostic and then moving to atheistic, and you saw the future of science if it would have a value to go into mysticism. So, can you speak a little bit about what you meant with that? Well, a little bit. What I meant by that was that uh, uh, the way it goes <laughs> for me is that, that science, modern science, was born as a Christian. So I, I think you know that history. In Europe, um, the scientific revolution took place a few hundred years ago, and um, everyone was Christian, practically. Um, and it was thought that through this modern science, I guess characterized by the controlled experiment, so on, that we would be able to demonstrate, or they would be able to demonstrate the, uh, you know, the, the, the God. Hmm? Um, that God's in control, but at, uh, or made the world, or whatever. And um, so it was kind of embraced uh, by the Christians, but as as they went forward with it, and um, and Newton's theories came to prevail, it uh, appeared that the world was was a closed kind of what do they call it a closed uh, uh, system, hmm? and so that everything within matter explained everything that went on within the world. Hmm? And as a closed system, in other words, there was no room for anything from outside to come in and influence the world as it was thought previously in uh, Christianity that God performed miracles, intervened, and so on. And so all the miracles and this kind of thing started to be relegated to superstitions of the past and so forth. And so uh, as that developed and the idea that the world was a machine, like, like a clock was, I think, the classic example, then hmm? it shifted from a, from a theistic point of view. Some of the educated and scientific people, um, prominent people, from kind of a Christian point of view to a deistic understanding, and deism is an idea, something to the effect that, well, there's a God, he set up the clock, he turned it on, and now it's ticking, and that's it. And he's not intervening, he's not involved anymore. Hmm? And um, looking at the world in that way, so many things um, came about for um, modern conveniences, know-how, um, uh, um, with the help of technology, scientific findings created so many things um, that it really has an has an appearance of wow, you know, we've got the keys to to the to the world, figuring everything out, and the key is you know the, the whatever the laboratory, and um, and uh, you know diseases were. The plagues were being dealt with, which might have been thought to have been 
you know, because people were bad or something, and they got the plague and so on and so on. So, so they were. So, so, so as this developed further and further, there seemed to be less and less room for intervention, and then the idea, or to speak, of a god intervening, the idea that there's some immaterial substance called a soul that influences the machine of the world started to be, you know, a, a questionable um, understanding because they couldn't measure it and see it happening and, 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 and so on and so forth. So, from Christianity to kind of deism to kind of an agnosticism hmm, to now, it's not unanimous obviously but there's a there's a dominant atheistic temperament in uh, in, in in modern science hmm? at the same time hmm, that's the case interestingly what what has happened is that the machine of matter as it's been thought has started to become a question. I'm often talking about the idea that consciousness is not reducible to matter. Hmm? I've argued about that, and that's obviously a spiritual argument and so forth. And um, But to emphasize my point, it would be fair to say that what is it that you want to reduce consciousness to? Matter. And what is matter? In other words, the machine of matter has started to show that it doesn't really work like a machine. Noam Chomsky, I, he, he gave a lecture, and in the lecture he made this point. There's a famous book called the Ghost in the Machine by a fellow named Ryle. And in times gone by, everybody in school read it. Hmm. Um, and um, his idea was that this ghost is the soul in the machine, and he was going to exorcise the ghost and get rid of the ghost and definitively demonstrate through his book there's no such thing as a soul. Hmm. And uh, Chomsky's point in a long talk showing going through the history of science um, reached a conclusion on his part a conclusion that really if we look carefully at the history what's happened is that the machine has been exercised and the ghost remains the ghost of what of consciousness consciousness is there I mean it's the only thing we know it really exists <laughs> our own consciousness so to speak but what is matter is 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 not very not a very clear idea. I often say it's hard to understand what is consciousness because there's nothing like consciousness. Consciousness is not a thing. There's nothing to compare it to and so forth. Well, you can you can start making an argument like that about matter too. Hmm? Not exactly the same argument, but the same point. What it is is very much in question. And aside from the idea that in order to fit consciousness into the world, we might need a new science, 
which many people say, no, we just have to reduce consciousness to matter and demonstrate, you know, so forth. Um, aside from that argument that we need a new science to fit consciousness in, we need a new science uh, just because our explanations of of, of, of old explanations of time-space are just in, in question. They work in some pragmatic ways hmm, to produce certain results, but, of course, what I'm talking about here, and I'm not a scientist, but, uh, you know, I get an overview of it all, uh, as much as I feel is necessary. Uh, what I'm talking about is the, is the shift between the classical worldview of the world as a machine to the quantum mechanic perspective. Hmm. And while while the, the classical world is, is wholly deterministic, it was thought that, that we can predict everything that's going to happen. Everything, the, the wings of a butterfly, you know. Hmm. Whatever's going to happen, we can predict it. Hmm. Um, so that surety, that confidence, hmm, is... Um, something of the past. And there are things that they, that, that, that quantum physics, quantum mechanics demonstrates that just don't fit. They just don't make sense. So the, the, the dominant thinking, well, amongst the, the majority of people, is, well, we'll, we'll figure that out later. You know, we, we'll explain it so there's there's this there's this kind of like some 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 little blending between classical and quantum, but keeping the classical perspective predominantly and trying to fit the quantum into it, and it's problematic. It's just problematic, and so there is a there are a number of people in the scientific community who who recognize that, and they feel there's a need for a new a new science, a new understanding of matter. And um, a good number of them, if not the majority of them, think that for any number of reasons, but one of the reasons also being that it doesn't really accommodate consciousness. The attempt to reduce consciousness to matter has been unsuccessful. No matter how much there is a correlation between the brain and mental activity, which they equate with consciousness, um, the correlation, correlation and cause are not the same. Hmm? I mean, you could say, "See, I press this in the brain, and that in your mind happens. Therefore, brain is mind." But that's not a very good conclusion. You could say, "Well, I press this in the mind, and this happens in the brain." <laughs> So brain is mind. Uh, they've mapped the brain pretty well, and so they they, they, they find out so much um, that there's a, a correspondence between brain and mind, which we accept from the very beginning. It's been honest, there's going to be a correspondence between brain and mind. What's in mind is going to show up in brain. What's up in, what happens in subtle matter is going to show up in the gross matter and so forth. Anyway, they it, it's like... Uh, it's like you know, you, you you have correlation. You have um, what are the? There's three things. There's the, they have the correlation between mind and brain. You have something else, 
and something else. I don't know, three things. Uh, um, I forget them. But it's like the television, you know. You can find a, all kinds of correlation in the television, and, 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 but, but, it, but there's still got to be a signal. Without a signal, there's no, there's no, there's no television. So it's, it ignores the signal. It wants to reduce the signal, make the signal part of the television. Hmm? It, 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 so all of that in neuroscience and so forth, it says nothing. Hmm? It says nothing, um, really, about consciousness or mind um, being matter, being brain. Hmm? And as I say, it's, it's, it's the, the theory that, that, that mind and consciousness are reducible to matter, it, it really, what to say of not believing in God, it means we don't believe in colors, in smells, in feelings. Hmm? They're no more real, because they're subjective, and they're not primary properties of, of material things. Hmm? They're no more real than anything else that comes in your mind, like God. To say that God comes in your mind, therefore you shouldn't believe it. If you want to be true to that, you say, well, you shouldn't believe in colors, too. You shouldn't live your life as if there's colors. As if there's smells. I mean, who can do that? They're all subjective, and they're all fostered onto material properties. You can call them secondary property, but they're not inherent, it's thought, in matter. Hmm? So they're, what's real, quote-unquote, ultimately, is the material properties of a thing when, with depth, all these quantitative measurements and so forth. All the qualitative things coming from consciousness are all subjective and they're not ultimately real. Hmm? So th- that, that's just another example of how kind of like it's it, 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 absurd it, 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 it could be. Why make an argument, you know, know, that you don't believe in God because it's a subjective experience of somebody? Why should you live your life as their God? Why should you live their life as their anything else's, any other subjective experience is real? Hmm? Anyway, so the point is that for any number of reasons, consciousness aside, although consciousness is a big, big topic, that has kind of come into the picture, was marginalized and something wasn't even talked about at all until the quantum perspective came to prevail. Uh, and what I mean by prevail is that it came to be un- an undeniable reality. So I think like 60% of the economy in the world is based on quantum quantum mechanics. In other words, the quantum understanding and the math that's done for that and technology and so forth has produces 60% of the of the world's economy so it's real in other words it's, it's true hmm? and so but there's a there's a, a resistance to its to its implications hmm? and the resistance takes different forms some forms of it say well you know it's not really saying that it's, it's it, it, and people are stretching it and, and so on and so forth and but there's plenty of very uh, well-educated uh, uh, scientists and so forth who are are on the other side and thinking there's a new there's a need for a new understanding of matter and consciousness and so forth, and so um, from atheism 
and atheism here being synonymous with materialism, hmm? materialism is not working. That's just a fact. It's, it's really not working, even scientifically, other than in a pragmatic sense. Hmm? It's not working in terms of a theory of everything, which is what it's billed to do, give you the theory of everything, answer everything. It was thought, as I said earlier, to be the keys to unlocking everything, to knowing everything that would ever happen at any time. That's how people actually thought. <laughs> um, they, they were led to believe. So that people are distancing themselves from that more and more. But um, it's not working like that. So if you want a theory of everything, which is basically what religion is about, a theory of everything, and people want a theory of everything... <laughs> People, humans want answers, why questions, as they often say. People want to know why, even those that say, you know, there is no why, really, there is no meaning, really. They want to, they want to know that they're, they, 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 that's, that's their why, so to speak, they're, the, the, the no meaning meaning. And they're, they're pressed for that, so they, they want a theory of everything, and Materialism is not working as a theory for it. And there's a lot of holdouts, obviously, people holding out for it and so forth and resisting. But there is there are plenty of people who moving away from it. And and so in doing so they try to accommodate consciousness. And if there is anywhere hmm, that such persons have looked to outside of science itself for insight with regard to the consciousness issue and how to fit it into the world it's to the east to the, and to, to mystics hmm? and uh, and their experience I think is is um, there's a problem with their experience the problem is that it's it's few and far between hmm? and and um, there's always the chance that um, you'll get um, a, an imitation of the real thing, a real mysticism. And, uh, but that said, there are real experiencers of consciousness from the mystical perspective in all the traditions and so forth. And um, I think that they, um, you know, that, that, that they will come to be that I, those ideas that they espouse, their experiences, um, it already is something that they look to and try to get insight from. I've read a, a number of books by scientists who are, you know, breaking from the materialistic paradigm, and much of what they write about is right out of, you know, Vedanta. Hmm. Um, you know, others obviously don't go that far and so forth, but. Uh, this is an area, I want to say that mysticism an area, is an area that has not really been explored very, very deeply. And it is, it is very much about deep experiences of, in the least, of human consciousness that most people don't have. Hmm? That's very extraordinary. Dimensions of human reality, human consciousness that most people have no experience of. And it gives rise to things, this is one of my points, 
that every human feels is desirable, noble, worthy, ideal, and so forth. So properly understood, um, it, it, it's, a, it's an area that, um, that warrants some investigation. Now, it's hard to investigate it objectively, but um, um, objective investigation is, is not all there is. There's also su- subjective reporting from one person, another person, another person that corresponds. Hmm? It's called intersubjectivity. So that's kind of like quasi-objective and, 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 and so on. And so, um, I mean, William James proposed something like that a long time ago. Um, and so, uh, you know, so I just think this is a big field. And I also feel that while materialism and atheism, as much as they are equated, rejects religion, they are really, for the most part, rejecting a, a basic fundamentalist religious orientation to life. Hmm? Or even a thinking person's religious orientation, but not a spiritual, mystical orientation. Hmm? You could take, for example, uh, you know, the Pope is a lot more thought out than Tim and Tammy Baker, who are you know, U.S. evangelists that ended up in jail some years ago. You know, televangelists who are fanatical religious fundamentalists, or or the Pope is is a much more sane, sober, and truly religious person than the the, the G, Jesus camp. I don't know if you saw that movie where they had kids come into the Jesus summer camp, and you know it was like pretty pretty scary. It was like a terrorist you know camp you know for training them. So that said. My perspective is that the Pope is a religious man, not a mystic. Hmm? Um, um, I don't know him personally. This one, I, you know, is pretty nice comparatively and so forth. But Catholicism, for a long time, has been much more religious than it has been mystical, um, and it has distanced itself from its mystical past hmm? of many saints that were true true mystics and um, and and again it's not a field that's looked into very deeply but uh, uh, a recent publication called Irreducible Mind by some very sober people uh, had a whole that I read has a whole section on on mysticism and the paranormal and they they, they give reports there that are just like undeniable Hmm? Um, objective reports of certain incidences and people and so forth that it doesn't fit with materialism but it can't be rejected either so it it really speaks to us about hmm, we have to look at things differently there's there's not just this it's such a it's such a you know reduction is a good word it's such a reduced idea there's only the physical there's only now there's all kinds of shades of materialism too but I mean this is the basic idea um, in atheism so um, so I think that that um, especially with regard to the need if you have a theory of everything you have to include consciousness and indeed it has to take a prominent place hmm? and so in that place 
is not one where consciousness is just reduced to matter anyway we don't even know what matter is anymore hmm? they don't even know what matter is there are theories that um, you know information theories now hmm? information is the basis from information encoded in matter arises physical laws and then physical things and so forth these are written by physicists and so forth this is all kinds of reaching out trying to like hmm, rethink it hmm? so the foundation is shaken the foundation is we know what matter is and that's that's shaken and so you know and then we have to deal with consciousness and so while materialism and atheism as much as they are synonymous they aren't entirely i suppose but i kind of think they are it opposes they oppose religion but they haven't come to deal with really with mysticism because the largest prominent face of of the spiritual is the religious community hmm? and um and all these debates between atheists and 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 and, and, and religious people are, are all debates between religious people and atheists not between mystics and and and, and materialists hmm? and so um that that's a different uh, kind of discussion and what is the nature of consciousness what is the nature of matter the matter has become more like consciousness today than people thought it was this hard stuff you know it's more like not much as you think consciousness is like airy and spacey and and uh you know you walk through walls type stuff you know when there are no walls to walk through is now you know well or or there you know they say what there's 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 an how much space is there between every atom or something? You know, the, that's that idea. You put a football field there, and how's that go? You don't know. I forget. If you put an orange, I think orange on a football, from one side to the other, between the distance between the two oranges, or a small fruit or something. Anyway, the distance between atoms, I guess, is what it is. Is like huge. Was, we thought, you know, there's all these hard things made of these atoms combined together. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but at any rate, my point is that I can guarantee you what is matter is a real question. So if you want to reduce consciousness to matter, if people want to do that, you should ask them, what is matter? By the way, <laughs> you want to reduce it to matter. You don't even know what, you can't even say definitively what matter is. So maybe I'll start there. Um, so, this being the state of affairs, this, uh, I would believe, is a faith, faith crisis for materialism on about to happen, or happening. Hmm? It is happening. Hmm? And people are breaking ranks and, 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 in some ways and trying to redefine matter and, 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 and so on and so forth. And so, where you have this kind of thinking person, thinking materialistic person but an but an objective one hmm? i think a thinking and objective person will see that there's a problem with physicalism it doesn't work hmm? it, it, it's, you can't make a theory of everything from it 
there are too many gaps. Hmm? Explanatory gaps. Hmm? We don't need to fill the gap, as they say, with God, but not, there's nothing else to fill it with. There's a gap, and it's about as wide as the Grand Canyon when it comes to, you know, we're just about to reduce consciousness to matter. Yeah, it's like we're just about to jump across the Grand Canyon. That's a big, I don't know if you're not from the States, but the Grand Canyon is a big divide. Um, so, uh, they're so far from a theory of everything, so to speak, that uh, that it's uh, it's really a crisis. So, that said, a thinking and objective person, I believe, is a person that's breaking away from that other idea, the, the, the predominant ideas of matter and the classical uh, perspective, not that there are any truths to be found there, but as a, as a, as a comprehensive uh, explanation, Newtonian uh, physics, you know, doesn't work. Um, so who's breaking away from that and thinking in their own world, in a scientific way, um, and looking for other answers and so forth, is a person who is open-minded and objective in the full sense of the term. And from the religious point, and here's a materialist and then you have a religious point, the religious people who are mystics, they are also very objective. And, you know, there's a lot of objectivity to mysticism in a practical sense. You have to be objective and not be attached biased and, and so forth and uh, the detachment that's involved brings about objectivity and so forth so these people are objective sensible and they're experiencers and so forth. so these these have these two groups have something in common that that materialism and religion just don't hmm? it seems like religion is is faith and 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 science is is fact, hmm? and but here we go to another space, so to speak, an extended extension from there, from that stalemate hmm? um, argument between religion and and materialism to a dialogue, really, hmm? and um, and so because my perspective is what it is about consciousness. Hmm? then I think that ultimately the, the science has to come to embrace consciousness for what it is and understand matter in relation to consciousness and which gives consciousness the kind of upper hand or the predominant role and uh, you know and, and, it, 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 however, in a distant way, even if just by observing, it animates the subtle and the gross the psychic and the physical dimensions of of matter, and so it's what really matters, as I say. So I, that's my thinking about it. Hmm? So, therefore, from science being born as a Christian. Hmm? to becoming a deist and then an agnostic, hmm? to an atheist, to to a mystic. Because I, I, I think that that the, the 
in in one sense, the understanding of consciousness, um, at least in a broad sense, requires an understanding of matter. Hmm? Science has been about understanding matter, and mysticism is about understanding consciousness, but you understand matter, at least in the broad sense, in that matter is maya, let's say, to use the Sanskrit term, and it can't be measured entirely, and it, it changes, and 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 so forth. I was reading something today, somebody was saying, you know, that this intelligent design idea, which which incidentally is not a Hindu idea. If you study the Hinduism history and so forth, you, you won't find that the great Acharyas of Vedanta had an argument of of uh, design. But the argu- this point the fellow was making the point that the argument of design he was a theist, is lacking because it implies that the world is designed. Boom. There it is. But what we're experiencing is it's always changing. Hmm? So unless it's designed to always change and morph and, and do different things, you know, then it's not really designed. It seems like an ongoing kind of a organic growing thing. That's why I say knowledge about the material world is always there's always new knowledge about it. Hmm? You can say, well, why didn't Swami so-and-so of 1959 you know, speak like this? Hmm? Nobody did. Hmm? Now, the world is showing itself like that. And so, and that will always go on. So there will always be new material knowledge. To know the material world comprehensively, in one sense, from a mystical point of view, mystic point of view is to know, well, it's 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 um, it's influence is something to be transcended, and you know the self is is um, what I am, and I'm not matter, and and, and so forth. Um, but the world itself, in my opinion, it, it 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 always new new knowledge about it. It's always it's a growing thing itself. Hmm? What if we what you find coming is like, wait a minute, you know, what we thought was matter and spirit, you know, maybe they're not so different. Even people start to think like that. Maybe matter is more like, and then they give these really, really far out explanations of matter that sound like, like spiritual, hmm? you know, walking through walls and parallel universes and all these these types of things, and it gets pretty. Pretty bizarre. Hmm. So anyway, the 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 my point only is this: that is the understand the materialist understanding, the physicalist understanding, is 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 one that it's just not working hmm. in terms of a theory of everything, and that's what people in science want: hmm. a theory of everything. And so. Where is there left to go? If you went from atheism, where is your religion to agnosticism to atheism, <laughs> mysticism? See, I see mysticism as as the best side of atheism, the rational side, hmm? and 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 at the same time, the best side of religion, hmm? the heart of religion, the experience that is transforming, that enables you to see beyond the the um, Container, hmm? the Saragrahi Vaishnav perspective, and and see 
that oh, there's mystics in this tradition and this tradition too, and, and it's not based on only only on a particular tradition. There are different types of experiences in transcendence, different types of enlightenment, and so forth, and and that kind of openness of that's at the heart of religion. So you, you have the best of if you take these two are at odds with one another, you take the best from both, and it has to go there. Hmm? That's my opinion. That's what I meant by that. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, so we're, in my opinion, experiencing the the beginning of such a shift. What else? I'm a little puzzled by what you, something you said today and yesterday that the, the, um, there's no qualities present within the objects like smell, taste, and all this. But then, like in the Sankhya, we have sense objects. Can, we, can you help to, me to understand that there? What do you mean? Like, uh, well, it's like the 24 elements of the... Yeah. The, well, the sense objects are part of that. And, I mean, are you... Is, is, it, a, is it the question of the, the, the qualia? Is no, no, I'm saying... From a materialist, if I understand your question correctly, correctly, from a materialist, physicalist perspective, which is predominant in the scientific community today, the world, the material objects don't have any of those subjective qualities in them. Hmm? They only have weight, mass, velocity, and so forth. We, as from the subjective world, posit those things on them. Hmm? They're not inherently there. And so, as much as the subjective world is kind of dreamy, whatever, hmm, and not hard and objective, it's not. It's thought not to be real in the full sense of the term. That's one thing. What Sankhya says in the Bhagavatam, that's another thing. Hmm? The Sankhya seems to posit certain, um, what we might call subjective qualities, to matter. Hmm? Oh, Sankhya says that, hmm? the Bhagavad Sankhya. And so, um, I was mentioning a person who was developing a theory in which was really, and it was really inspired by the Bhagavad form of Sankhya, that says that actually matter has what he calls relational properties. He's developed this term over 30 years, relational properties. And and these are the subjective qualities that Sankhya is, is, is talking about. And so it's some idea that, and I, I don't, he hasn't even completed his theory, but for to speak of me explaining it, but it's it's basically that that the Godhead manifests the material world and injects, so to speak, consciousness in it and by doing that injects and encodes meaning into matter and so what the material objects are are actually let's say you took matter the perdan undifferentiated matter and then consciousness is projected on it and then material things as we call them are really symbols they're symbols so it's a semantic Semantic means symbol in this sense. Um, understanding of matter. So the things are symbols. 
So let, let's take you take like quantum mechanics. They wonder how you know sometimes it's a it's the part the, the the particle is a is a wave or it's a particle a wave it's a particle it's a wave it's a particle. Hmm? So perhaps one of the arguments is well it's neither it's a symbol it's a semantic symbol and when you understand it as a semantic symbol then you understand why it's doing what it it does which doesn't make sense to you now because you're looking at it as a as a thing. Hmm? It only has these primary properties. Hmm? So it's a different way of looking at matter hmm? in which matter at the dawn of creation is encoded with meaning. And that's what's being said in the, in the Sankhya of the Bhagavad. You know, it's from this comes smell. And it's, those are all properties from the Sankhya perspective. They're not properties from the materialistic perspective, but they appear to be from the Sankhya perspective. Now, how do you take that and you explain that? I mean, you know, the Sankhya of India is thought to be something like the Greek basic five elements. The difference is, of course, in, in Sankhya they got 24 elements and consciousness is also talked about and, you know, it's, it's quite more of a complex system. Hmm? So while the Greek system is arguably pre-scientific, Sankhya may be able to inform the post-present scientific perspective that it isn't uh, it's, it's lacking a need, need of need of change. Now, I, I don't know enough about this theory to. It's interesting. I like you know the idea because hmm? obviously it gives more value to the Sankhya theory that's incorporated into the Bhagavatam. Vishwanath Chakravarti ends his Bhagavatam commentary with with statements like, and and it doesn't matter that there's Sankhya and there's Nyaya and and um, and uh, atomism and so forth in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So he, he seems to take a distance from, from it hmm? and say what it's really about is, the, you know, such and such. Hmm? But if you can say, well, th- obviously the Bhagavad Sankhya is different than than the uh, philosophy, than the, the independent darshan or philosophy of Sankhya. Hmm? You know, we read this morning there's the six philosophies there's called darshans of India. Sankhya is one of them. Vedanta is one of them. So we are Vedantists, we're not Sankhyas. But in the Bhagavatam, which is a Vedanta text, there is a form of Sankhya. It's also, it's Buddhism, it's also Buddhism's explanation of, of matter comes from Sankhya and so forth. So it was a, a prominent, but in the Bhagavatam it's it's tweaked. Hmm? So it's 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 different. I couldn't explain. I never studied Sankhya, so I couldn't really tell you all the differences. But there are some fundamental differences, obviously, between Bhagavad and Sankhya, you know, Vedanta and Sankhya. But Bhagavad Sankhya, so those are incorporated. But there are other differences as well. And so, if you could, you know, take that explanation of matter, you know, someone making argument. Well, if your book comes from God and God created the world. Then the book should tell you how the world, what, what the world is too. Hmm? So therefore, it must be literally true. So, so you have to, if you want to go that approach, then you've got to have a lot of work to do <laughs> to take Sankhya and explain the whole world today in relation to all the findings of today, and so show how by looking at this perspective, well, you know, and then then be able to do experiments and get the same goodies from technology <laughs> and so forth. You know, that's a long haul. The other way to do it as well, you know, it gives an overview, it incorporates Sankhya, which was the thinking of the time, and 
Basically, it says, the world is maya, immeasurable, and a message is transcend, and it doesn't go into detail about matter. So you can make an argument like that, too. Hmm? Um, and it's, it's, it's an argument I like like to make, because uh, I can't explain matter, uh, you know, in, in a way that I'm talking about you'd have to do to make the Bhagwat Sankhya, you know, becoming become a cornerstone in how every, the, everybody's scientific community thinks about matter. That's a long haul. Somebody's trying to do that. It, it, you know, it's interesting. It, 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 it may be, you know, a folly, but um, I'm interested, I'm willing to entertain the idea. And uh, and uh, the fellow I've been talking to is quite, quite, Educated and sober and so forth, so it's and it's it's, it's not popular in Iskon, so Must be something to that too. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's a member of the BI, so just he, he seems to be liking to have some association with some thoughtful sadhus who are entertaining his, you know, idea. Anyway, forgive me for that aside, but. Um, so, does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah, it's complex. But to, but you understand, I mean, materialism is saying, one, on one side of my mouth I'm saying, this is what the materialist is saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no smell, there's no sound, these are just subjective, yeah, ultimately. But that's not what the, what the Sankhya is saying. Mm-hmm. Somehow it's saying, these are actually properties of matter, because... Consciousness has created symbols out of matter. Those are the things. The things are actually symbols. I mean, it's... I don't understand it either, so to speak of you understanding it, me trying to explain it, but that is a, that much you can understand. Hmm? And also the shallowness, I mean, if you will, of materialism in the ways I'm saying. I mean, really, it may sound silly, but they're saying that, you know, there's no... There's really no such thing as uh, the taste of an apple. Hmm? It's all on your mind. And you could say, well, okay, you know, in the mind, your mind is just a brain. Hmm? And, and watch. We turn this off in your brain. See, there's no taste of the apple. See? No, something like so. You know, it's 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 so. What to speak of then? Ideas of God and so forth being imaginary. So you can make this. It's 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 a kind of a a new um, life comes from life walks in the park. You know, talk, if you will, uh, the way Prabhupada was talking about it. You know, so hmm, you say there is no God. What well, I say also then, according to your theory, there's no smell, and there's no taste. Still you are tasting, smelling, and living for these things, but they don't exist, then what is that? <laughs> that is nonsense. That is not science. <laughs> Something like that. <clears throat> It'll work for a while. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it is true. That is what the implications of that are. Hmm? It's... it's uh, In other words, according to, the, according to physicalism, we live in a fantasy. Hmm? 
the only part it wants to do away with is the God part. <laughs> and uh, every other part is okay. That fantasy is okay. Hmm. So that's un- unfair. Hmm. You follow? Yeah. What else? Yes. Is consciousness able to um, experience something objective? Because it seems like when it's in contact with matter, it needs material senses uh, to um, experience. When it's like in contact with Swarupa Shakti, has spiritual senses. So, so what's your question? Is consciousness objective? Uh, no, uh, any objective experience exists in consciousness. Any objective experience? What's an objective experience? Independent of the senses. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Independent of the material senses. Well, the point is that the consciousness is, is an experiencer. Bhuktritva. Hmm? It's an experiencer. Hmm? That means enjoyer, but it means it's a sufferer too. And those are the experiences, enjoyment and suffering boil down to two things, two words. Hmm? The point is uh, that consciousness is an experiencer. Hmm? But what you're asking, if I understand you correctly, isn't it, is it, an, is it, I'll put it in different words, is it an experiencer independent of anything to experience? That doesn't make any sense. Hmm? You're asking me, is consciousness an experiencer independent of anything to experience? Yes, it is an experiencer, but it's not experiencing anything. Hmm? Because it's independent of anything to experience. What would it experience? Well, okay. It experiences itself. What is its experience? I am. You could say that. It experiences I am. I am. That's a pretty good experience. Hmm? I guess we could... In other words, without the material environment, there's nothing material to experience. Without the spiritual environment, there's nothing spiritual to experience except what you are as a unit of consciousness and the fact that you you are. Hmm? I am. I exist. So I think you could say that... Hmm? It experiences, I am. Hmm? But in relation to a material environment that provides some shadow of variety and differences, or a consciousness environment, Sarup Shakti, Bhakti, that provides real consciousness uh, experience, the experience of, for example, experience, I am a gopi, has along with it, many, many other things hmm? that I am unto itself doesn't include. Hmm? I am. I am is, is pretty cool. I mean, I am. But it's just, it just ends there. I am. I am. People keep want to say that the soul is a person. I say the soul is a living being. Hmm? Has experienced I am. All persons are environmental. 
Everything about our personality is in, is is there's a there's a materialistic argument for this environment. Therefore, take the the poor person out of the ghetto and give them a good education, and so and of course that's not always true. But of course, you know we're carrying karma from the previous life, it's our perspective, and so on and so forth. But the whole word person comes from the Greek persona. It has to do with the arts and the masks. You know those. What's that art where you paint your mat, paint your face, and the mimes you know, from the Greek? So it's a persona. It's, a, it's an add-on. Hmm? Of course, when your persona is spiritual, you know, the add-on is substantial because there's a mixing between the Sisrup Shakti and the Tritasta Shakti. There can be some some integration that, in a way that there can't be between Maya Shakti and the Jiva. Hmm? One is Achit, the other is Chit. But the Jiva is Chit Shakti, and so is the Sisrup Shakti Chit. You understand that, of course. So does that answer your question? Yeah. I am is a good experience, right? Like I say, sometimes the most extraordinary experience we have is that we that we experience. And this is our main experience. I am. I might be this, I might be that at different times, but I always am. Underlying that I am American, I am Indian, I am black, I am old, I am young. All these young, old, and, and so forth, those are extras and add-ons. They're all attached to I am. I am this, I am that. This and that can change, but the I am remains. Hmm? That's substantial. Of course, if it goes I am a gopi, I am a gopa, that's even more substantial. Hmm? Obviously, much more substantial than I am, young or old, and much more substantial than I am as well. Hmm? What else? Yes. Um, you probably answered this many times before, but I met during this year devotees from different groups, and I heard two different translations of the Maha Mantra. One was something like, uh, Oh Krishna, oh energy of Krishna, please engage me in your service. And another one was that the Hare Krishna part is like Radha and Krishna together. And then Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare means that they're separate, so it's about union and separation. So I wanted to ask you how you would translate the Maha Mantra. Well, I don't... Um Prabhupada translated it, Oh Krishna, oh energy of Krishna, please engage me in your service, like that, very simply. But um, I, I really don't think there are trans, there's a translation in a sense. I mean, Krishna means Oh Krishna. Hare means Oh Hari. Or it could mean Oh Hara, which is where they get the idea that it means Oh Radha. Or it means Oh Ram. So, Krishna, Hari, Ram, you know, what's the translation? All attractive, <laughs> you know, he who takes away, um, you know, uh, 
the uh, the you know uh, the enjoyer you know uh, I mean so they're just names and you can translate the names and then people could come up with different things about you know you could say well it's it's more, more thought sometimes as a sambog mantra I think I've written about that in one place where where it's about the union bringing about a union of Radha and Krishna hmm. um uh, but it it, 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 uh, it depends who's chanting it. You know, for example, you can find um, the Jiva Goswami as a commentary on it, and um, um, who else? Some others. Uh, but they're not. They're like they're not really like commentaries, like you would you would think of them. Explanations. It's like oh. Radha this, O Krishna that, O Ram this, O, o, o Krishna that, O Radha this, or and um, uh, but that's how those are examples of how the mantra plays out in the lila from a certain perspective. Hmm? Sometimes I can show you some things about that, um, but um, again, it depends who's chanting. For example, if Radha is chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, which they say she does. Then Hare doesn't mean her name. Hmm? That means Hari. Hmm? And so some people argue, well, if you're going to chant from the Manjari perspective, you're going to pre- chant like Radha chants it. Hmm? And so Hare doesn't mean Har- uh, uh, Radha. Hmm? It means Hari, Krishna, I should say. And then other people say, no, it's about bringing them together, you know. So there's different, I think, I guess you could say great devotees experience it in different ways. And uh, some chant the Hare Krishna mantra. I've I've been in places in South India where the the Hare Krishna mantra is chanted 24 hours a day for since the dawn of creation. Hmm? And the name Ram is thought to be Ramchandra. Hmm? And some prophet gives a, cites an argument between two of his disciples in his purport in Chaitanya Charitamrita, where one said the name Ram means Ramchandra, and another one said, no, it means Balaram. Hmm? And Prabhupada said it could be neither one. Depends. Yeah. Something like that. And then, of course, the name Ram means Rod means 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 Krishna, hmm? Raman, Ramana, so forth. So, it um, there are different perspectives from, and you these these translations kind of are different bhavas that are, are that are worth listening to, arising out of chanting the name, hmm? more than they are like. Translations or commentaries. It's kind of meant to take us beyond thinking. So, what's your question? I also heard the other day that somebody was chanting Gadai Gor, Gadai Gor, Gor Gor, Gadai Gadai, Nitai Gor, Nitai Gor. And they were saying, they were quoting Bhakti Nota for. I don't know about that. Uh, I know that Bhaktivinoda Thakur worshipped Gorgadadhar, hmm, at Godrum, 
um, but I have never seen him anywhere in his writing the recommendation of chanting uh, Gore Gadai like one chants the Hare Krishna mantra. And, and if you mix Nityananda in there too, you know, as you were saying. Yeah. But you should say, yeah. when you say Hare Krishna, you can say Gadai Gaur, and when you say Hare Rama, you can say Gaur Nitai, and that's the safest way because it's a translation because you get kind of more plunged into Gaur as you. Someone has said that. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily. I Gadai conception of the name, and then there's the Madhudya conception. And they said it comes from Bhakti Vinod? Well, was I end up quoting the introduction to the teachings of Lord Chaitanya and uh, Bhaktivinoda somewhere, I forgot where else, in the introduction of some other book, and he was drawing these conclusions. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take that too seriously. It's a, uh, coming from, from that, that, that book. The safest way to chant Hare Krishna, there's no like unsafe way to chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> the safest thing to do is to chant Hare Krishna, period, and uh, to do so attentively. Hmm? Uh, the basis of all offenses is inattention. The ten offenses don't say anything about thinking it's Radha and Krishna rather than Ram and Krishna. Or, you know, the ten offenses are there; they're to be avoided. Seems like he's invented an, a, a potential offense that needs to be avoided by a concoction of how to chant and and so forth. And as if there's a safe way to chant and an unsafe way, and it almost sounds like. It's, it's, it sounds a little bit like Nidai Gaurati Sham, Japa Hare Krishna Hare Ram, something like that, which we don't personally chant. Okay, what's the time? Uh, 28, 8, 7 40. Okay, so, sorry, discussion? More uh, questions? Just one question, just relating to yeah. Shani's question. Uh, just, mm, we're cautioned against giving interpretations to the holy name. That's one of the offenses, right? To the holy name. So how does that relate to, like, giving these explanations? Like, what, what's the relation there? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I think the interpretation of the name is, the way that, Mahaprabhu dealt with that is that the name is Krishna. Hmm? The name and the named are one. There's no difference between the name and the named. Don't interpret beyond that. That it means this and this and and you give some fancy that, that, that ends up being really less than that profound statement. When Balaba came to Mahaprabhu and said, I have my own commentary on the, on, on the name of Krishna, hmm? I want to tell it to you. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mahaprabhu would not entertain it. He said, all I know is that Krishna is Shamasundar and Yashodanandan. Basically, if you understand it properly, he's saying, all I know is that the name of Krishna is non-different from Krishna. And that's knowing a lot. <laughs> uh, so, that's my answer to, to that question. Don't interpret the name. And end up making less out of it, really. In the name of more.
it's like Prabhupada would ask, would ask, what are the six horses, the five horses on Arjuna's chariot mean? They wanted a more explanation. And Prabhupada would say it takes five horses at least to pull a chariot, something like that. I mean, you could give up, you know, an esoteric, they mean the five senses and, you know, that. So, and that's okay. But that's not really more hmm, than saying there's a real Leela hmm, and there's horses in it. <laughs> and they drive chariots and it's this, you know, it, something like that. Because in the name of the more, hmm, he was concerned, but the Leela disappears and you actually end up with less. Srila hmm. Prabhupada ki jai. Life comes from life ki jai. Gornitananda ki jai. Goradamadava ki jai. Dauji Gopal ki jai. Godi Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gorbhaktavrinda ki jai. Gorbhaktavrinda ki jai.